We, um, we have been in a conversation for the last couple of weeks um, uh, looking at um, the, the idea of peace. Where, where can we find peace in a chaotic world? You know, the world is chaotic. It's uh, got wars. It's got violence. It's all kinds of causes of stress. There's all kinds of things in the world that would give us um, a sense of, of uh, uh, anxiety or, or a lack of peace. But uh, we have been learning as we go along that there are things that, that, that resources that we have as Christians to give us peace, that Jesus gives us his peace. We, we actually are given God's peace by Jesus, and Jesus calls us to take that peace out into the world, not to hide away in some, some uh, bunker someplace and be peaceful there, but actually to be um, islands of peace in the world. And in fact, uh, last time we looked at a um, the, the last part of this series, we looked at um, uh, Paul Paul writing to the letter uh, his letter to the people in Philippi, where he said that that they were to to act like um, citizens of heaven. They were colonialists living in this world, uh, representing the 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 kingdom of heaven in this world, that they were an outpost or a colony of heaven um, here in this world. And so so uh, we, we looked at that. And uh, today we're going to look at um, uh, how that actually plays out in a particular area, the area of in, interpersonal relationships, because because that's where the chaos usually arrives. Once in a while, it just, it just comes all, all by itself. Um, maybe you remember those old uh, TV commercials where mayhem was always destroying stuff but but they personified mayhem because sometimes mayhem actually does happen but mostly the trouble in the world arrives through people that there's somebody who's a, who's difficult to work with there's somebody who's causing you um, a problem in, in in any of different ways and so how can we have peace in our relationships with other people so that's what we're going to look at today is how can we have peace particularly in the area of uh, our uh, interpersonal relationships and the answer is very easy. It's it's so simple that that you'll slap your head and say, "Well, why didn't I think of it?" Um, the answer is love. Paul says. Paul says at the beginning of this section of his letter, he says, "Love should be shown without pretending, hate evil and hold on to what is good." It's that easy. Just love the other person, and uh, he's going to spend some time spelling that out. But but um, uh, as I mentioned last time, we we talked about this. Paul, Paul has a tendency to give lists, and so he's kind of surrounding his, his idea with, with uh, a list of things to do. Um, they're not like you check them off, but the idea is it paints a picture of what, what it is that you're supposed to do. So, so Paul is going to explain uh, more about what that love looks like, but I'm going to borrow from a different letter that Paul gives, because, because we've already got this image we're working with of, of a, um, uh, a, a colony, the idea that that uh, we are an outpost or a colony of heaven. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to give that a little tweak to borrow from, from the image Paul uses in his letter to the Corinthians. Paul talks about um, an embassy. So we are, we are uh, that representative of, of heaven, but now we are um, an embassy filled with ambassadors. The, the, community, the, the Christian community is, is collectively a group of ambassadors who are going out into the world. And they are negotiating with the world there. So, so we are an embassy and we're entering into negotiations with the people around us. And this is, this is, uh, to be characterized, uh, this is to demonstrate God's love to the people around us. So we're engaged in negotiations. Now, 
we probably all have a picture of what negotiations look like. And maybe we bring this down into our own interactions. But you can imagine um, in a typical negotiation, the idea is I get what's best for me, you get what's best for you, and somewhere we meet in the middle. So um, so let's take a, a real-world example. Okay, There's going to be a debt ceiling negotiations. Right now they're negotiating the negotiations. So um, eventually there will be uh, some kind of a resolution on on the debt ceiling, and the one thing we can be sure of is that is that um, the Speaker McCarthy is not going into those negotiation negotiations saying, "How can I do the very best thing for Joe Biden?" And Joe Biden is not going into it saying, "What can I possibly give um, Kevin McCarthy that he'll be happy with?" That that's not the way negotiations work. We we tend to think about our own side and let them negotiate for the other side. And Paul is saying, do that differently. Look at the other person and say, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What can I do that's loving in a way that that actually leads to your flourishing? What is what is the best thing I can possibly do for you? That's the way that Paul wants us to have our negotiations. So if you're if you're uh, a fan of memes. Uh, here's here's uh, one that you might see uh, the the pawnbrokers saying the best I can do is every single thing you want. So that is the picture that Paul is saying as an ambassador. This is the policy of your government up in the kingdom of heaven, and this is the policy he wants us to pursue here in this world where we are ambassadors. So with that with that picture. Um, what it means to let love be genuine. Let's let's go ahead and look at the um, the the passage. So he begins by talking about other members of the embassy, the the other people living in your outpost, the the Christian community, the people sitting next to us. The, that's that's who he's talking about to begin with. He talks about them because, believe it or not, sometimes Christians don't always get along. That sometimes we we look at that person and say, I don't know what God sees in that person. And so Paul has instructions. First of all, for the the Christian community, and he says, he says, um, the 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 way to the way to look at the other people is not as as a negotiation with a third party somewhere out out there, um, but but as a member of the family that you just accept them for who they are. And yes, you know they're not they're not um, they're not like you maybe, and and you wish that they would be, but but there it is, they're family, and so you you deal with it. So he says, love each other like members of your family. And he says, um, be the best at showing honor to each other. The, one of the problems that leads to, one of the things that leads to problems is natural competitiveness. That, that we say, um, I'm better than that person. And, and this happens in the church, believe it or not. Sometimes people say, you know, that person is not as good a Christian as me because blank. Or alternatively, we look at somebody and say, they're a better Christian than me and I'll never be able to be like that because they're better than me. And Paul says, Paul says to be the best. Sure, go ahead, have that competitive instinct, but channel it in a useful way. Be the best at showing them honor. So the, the, the negotiating is always how can I best benefit that other person? So be the best at showing them honor. So I'm going to compete with them in the area of honoring them. And he says, um, don't hesitate to be on enthusiastic, be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope, stand your ground when you're in trouble, and devote yourself to prayer. So the, the next thing he says, as he talks about, he talks about the attitude you have. 
as you as you relate to other people who are part of your Christian community. So um, be happy in your hope, stand your ground when you're in trouble, be confident, and uh, be prayerful. So so. Pardon me. Um, so, uh, so devote yourself to prayer. And uh, he concludes that section by saying, Con- contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. So again, this is a family. You help out because they're family, not because they deserve it or not because they got into the situation, you know, in, in a clever way, but because um, because they're family. And so you help them out. Um, the welcome strangers into your home. Paul knew about this. Paul used to chase people around the Mediterranean you know, looking for Christians that he could persecute. So he's saying, there's going to be people like that because I'm not the last one of those. And so Paul's saying, <laughs> when they come, when they show up, they're, they're part of, they're part, Remember, God gave me these bronchia. I guess he's happy with them. So, all right. Um, so, uh, so when people are are fleeing persecution somewhere else, when they're strangers, you don't know them, but they're part of God's program. They're part of the embassy. They're part of the Christian community that is this outpost of the kingdom of heaven. So, welcome them into your home. So that's the easy ones, the other Christians, the other ambassadors. They're the easy people to get along with. But what about everybody else? What about the general population, and in particular, people who are hostile? And that's what he talks about in the next section. So starting in verse 14, the instruction's the same, right? It, let love be genuine. Bless those who harass you. Bless them and don't curse them. So the, 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 exact, same, the exact same instruction, but just... Uh, now applied to people who are not going to reciprocate, people who are not nice to you first. So he says, he says, bless them, um, bless them, and don't curse them. And then he says, relate to them as people, right? You're, you know, show them, show them that you care about them as people. Be happy with those who are happy, and cry with those who are crying. That just means don't stand off aloof. You're not, you're not supposed to be in your, in your, you know, holy huddle in back in the embassy. You're supposed to be out in the in the area representing uh, the kingdom of God uh, with the people who are having, uh, you know, carrying on their lives. And he says, consider everyone else, everyone is equal. Don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status and don't think that you're so smart. Part of this is probably Paul's thinking about, you know, it's difficult for us to imagine how class conscious the 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 Greco-Roman world was. The people knew exactly what, what other people's class was. So I think Paul's partly um, undermining that. He's saying, he's saying, um, associate people who have less, um, <coughs> who have less status than you. And you know, we see this all the time. Jesus is doing the same thing, uh, dining with tax collectors and sinners. So, so people who have no status, um, and he says, don't think you're so smart. And this is, you know, sometimes Christians don't do this well. We, um, we, we communicate that, that, um, that, you know, I'm going to go out and rub elbows with the sinners. 
and and uh, that that may not win when uh, may not be as winsome as we might think. <laughs> The there we go. It's on and off. Um, so then he then he continues. He says he says now this is the hard part, right? So it's you know just people in general bless them and so forth. But he says don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for everyone else believes is good. So what does he mean here? He means that that the natural thing to do, the the obvious way people are going to behave. If if you poke me, I'm going to poke you back, right? That's there's nothing more natural than that. And he, he says, don't do that. Instead, think about it beforehand. Um, he says, uh, show respect for what everyone else believes is good. Think about it beforehand. How are you going to behave if somebody pokes you, and you know, not by poking them back? So he says, don't repay them, but instead uh, uh, have respect for what everyone else believes is good. And if possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. So that is the goal. The goal is to be at peace. The goal is to be a representative of God um, in the in the world, a peaceful um, and loving representative of God. He says, don't try to get revenge for yourself, my dear friends, but leave re- room for God's wrath. It is written, revenge belongs to me. I will pay it back, says the Lord. He says, you don't, you're not, you're not a neutral party. You can't evaluate what is the right thing to do. God can. God understands exactly what happened. God didn't miss any of the details. God knows them better than you do. God knows if they have a better, you know, if, if there are extenuating circumstances. Leave that to God. God can take care of their revenge. That's not your problem. Your problem is to be a diplomat. Your problem is to be an embassy representing God's kingdom here on the earth. So he says, he quotes a proverb, if... Your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Um, uh, by doing this, you'll pile burning coals of fire upon his head. Some some commenters have, have suggested that this is, you know, uh, that God will be even more wrathful. You know, if the, the kinder you are, the more wrathful God will be. That doesn't sound to me like it's really very loving. So I think what Paul is probably getting at is that they will feel more and more um, ashamed of themselves because they've mistreated you, and so you will. (coughs) (coughs) My goodness. Um, So, so, (coughs) all right. This is why I'm not celebrating communion. So, all right. So, um, so Paul is aware that there are going to be bad actors. Paul, you know, Paul knew this was the first century. He knew there were bad actors. And so he knows that some people are not going to respond well. You know, burning coals or not, they're not going to respond well. They're going to, um, uh, take advantage of whatever, whatever you give them. And Paul says, well, there's a solution for that. Probably not one you'll like. He says, um, in, in the next chapter, he deals with that. He says, every person should place themselves under the authority of the government. There isn't any authority unless it comes from God, and the authorities that are there have been put in place by God. So, he says, 
you know, you're, you're an ambassador from the kingdom of God. You've arrived in Rome. Here you are among the Romans. And one of the Romans is really mistreating you badly. He says, let the Roman law take care of that, right? They've got their own civil order here in this kingdom on earth. God has established the, the civil order in the world. And so they're going to be bound by that or they're going to get in trouble under Roman law. So, yes, there are limits to what God will make you put up with. And that's going to be defined by whatever local culture you're part of. So he says, that's their problem. They will, they will figure that out. So in chapter 13, he goes into more detail about that. But that's, that's not the place he wants us to focus. He wants us to, to see <coughs> he wants us to know the, the big idea is to um, is to not be defeated by evil to, 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 to not adopt the, the behavior of this world but instead to bring into this world the behavior of the kingdom of God so that is that is the big idea don't be defeated by evil but defeat evil with good so is this practical? This is this is what we're called to do. The question is, does it make sense? Does, is it practical to do that? Well, Paul thinks so because <coughs> he says we can... Um, Paul thinks so. He says we can defeat evil with good. So is it practical? Well, Paul, Paul apparently believes it is. It's certainly not natural. It's not what people would normally do. But that's okay. We're not meant to, to be natural. We're meant to be, you know, we're not meant to represent the, the world. We're meant to represent the kingdom of God. So, so, is it practical? Well, um, Paul says practice it anyway. You know, it's practical if you practice it. You know, it works if you work it. So that is, that is the idea. Um, just, Ask yourself in every encounter, how much can I give this person? What is it that they want? What is it they need? What will lead to their flourishing? <laughs> it's a it's a countercultural. <coughs> it's a it's a it's countercultural. It's different from the way the world works, but that is the idea to to look at the other person and say, the best I can do is everything you want, everything you need, everything that will lead to your flourishing. And that is our call as disciples, as ambassadors of God here in this world. So I invite you to bring God's peace into the world through love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you call us to to exhibit love in a world that uh, certainly needs more of it, um, but in which it does not come natural to us. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us the, um, the equipment and the encouragement from others in our community to be people of peace, to be people of love, to show your, your peace in a world that is often hostile. We pray for people who are um, in communities around the world where 
the hostility is overt and sometimes state-sponsored. But we pray for the casual um, indifference and intolerance we encounter ourselves. Lord, help us to be people who show your love um, to, to a world that needs it. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.